just I can't stand myself. Shut up. <laughs> Is my framing good? You look great. Lights, camera, action. Okay, so which chapter are we on, Nikki? Are you kidding me? We're on chapter four of Twilight Book One. Dot com. Actually, I was thinking um, maybe we should recap the first three chapters real quick. Would you okay. like to take on that responsibility? So, well, it starts with a prologue, which is a nearly unreadable. So the prologue just seems to be like this sort of teases the fact that at some point, probably the climax of the story, Bella's going to be facing a life and death situation with a pleasantly smiling assassin. <laughs> it quickly jumps into the fact that Bella Swan has moved to Forks, Washington, her own choice out of some sense of codependence or caretaking of her mother's life because her mother's living with this uh, minor league ball player. Bella thinks that she'll be a hassle in that lifestyle. So she goes and lives in Forks where she used to live with her mother when her mother was married to Charlie Swan. Bella's not looking forward to this at all. She hates Forks. And she goes to school for the first day or two. And uh, she has awkward teenage encounters because she's an awkward teenage girl. She's very enclosed and wrapped up within herself. Can't handle basically any kind of social interaction with anybody. Doesn't like anybody looking at her. Can't stand people talking to her. And she sees the Cullens who are at the school who are a very mysterious family. Uh, nobody really knows much about them except for they seem to be fairly old for what they're doing being in high school. And they all seem to be intermarried with each other, siblings, and they're all stepchildren of this Dr. Cullen. Foster foster children to this uh, Dr. Cullen. They're all extremely pale and gorgeous, beautiful, exquisite creatures who wear snappy clothes and drive a fancy car. And, and they, they don't eat. And they don't eat and they don't talk to each other. Can we reenact that for a minute? The Cullens at dinner? <laughs> Sorry, Tom, I keep smiling. <laughs> Bella is immediately sort of struck with the Cullens, kind of fascinated with them. And, um, she finds that she's sitting next to one of the Cullens, Jacob, or no, Edward, who's just a uh, beautiful model, gorgeous, bronze hair, can't stand her. <laughs> the thing I remembered is, is that he seems to just have these little fits that he goes into for no unknown reason. Like he'll tense up and his, he'll make fists and kind of start staring at her, like really, <laughs> really mean. She doesn't know what the hell's going on or why it's happening. And as a reader, I don't know why it's going on or what's happening. And because there doesn't seem to be any pattern to it. So the reader is left baffled as much as Bella is. You know what I was just thinking when I was rereading this is I wonder if teenagers, because this is supposed to be like a teenage book, right? Right. I wonder if that bothers them. I bet it doesn't. They just. That'd be interesting to see. They just what, let it go. What teenagers think of this horrible book? They probably think it's deep. Why don't you take it from where I was? She. Okay. she made, She's in class with Edward and it's just very awkward. She doesn't know what's going on with Edward, why he seems to hate her. She thinks it's something about her. He he seems to hate her, but she also takes things especially personal. They are in a biology class together. Edward is kind of like, um, he's kind of like thinking he's going to lead because he's, spoiler alert, very old. <laughs> and he's been in this class sitting a lot of times. I'm sit he's sitting as far away from her as possible. <laughs> yes. But he knows all of the answers in the biology class. Right. And then there's a bit of a power struggle because they are looking into the microscope and Edward's like, prophase, anaphase. <laughs> and Bella's like, and oh, so then when Bella says one, he goes, um, you, I better take a look. 
And then he's like, hmm, she knows what she's talking about. And then he then he does one, anaphase. And then Bella, she's mm. like, I better take a look. And then, so Edward bolts out of class as fast as he can. She doesn't know why. And uh, she goes to the rest of her classes, which I have written down her class schedule. Stephanie Meyer gives us that, thank God. Because <laughs> I was testing her. Good for you. And, and starting the next chapter, it's correct as well. Okay. And then, so Bella goes home and uh, discovers that life with Charlie isn't actually so bad because they both sort of keep to themselves. He's not invading her space or her emotional life. And she kind of is happy with that. And she goes back to school and there's snow and, and we, we tossed around the idea of maybe the weather is as reflective of Bella's, you know, life or spiritual or emotional life. And we realized that nah, probably not. <laughs> there's nice Mike who has a crush on Bella and there's Chess Eric who also has a crush on Bella. So she goes through that first week of school, I think. And then the next week of school is when there's this big, uh, phenomenon well hold on first she wakes up and there's a lot of snow and ice right and so the ice sets up the whole deal of tyler what's his name in the van crushing her to death in the school parking lot but somehow edward swoops in miraculously superhumanly fast and strong saves her from being crushed they go to the uh, emergency room where Edward's foster father, Dr. Cullen, comes in. Edward comes to sort of Springer. There's sort of another one of those little flirtation scenes that doesn't really seem like Stephanie knows how human beings interact. And then it just, and there's a little, another little confrontation about Edward wants her to keep the secret. Yes, in fact, I did come and save you. And she agrees to keep the secret, but wants to know why. And then she goes to bed. She takes her Tylenol, which is prescribed by the doctor. That's right. And that night she dreams of Edward Cullen. Which brings us to chapter four invitations yeah now i was thinking tom I scribbled all over chapter four me too oh it's terrible i used two colors of ink what's your first big note i am going to from here on out i'm going to start thinking of better titles for the chapters i did that on this one you did yeah it's not a good one you only got one yeah it just occurred to me that invitations is the wrong word to use for this okay it should be something like approaches or something like that I was going for the accuracy thing, not for the smart and witty thing. I was thinking unsolicited. Oh, that's not bad. I felt like every one of these guys that approached her about the dance, they were so aggressive and presumptuous. I think maybe unsolicited approaches. That's good. Yeah. Although Edwards, she does want him. My first thought was, I'm going to put on my big okay. short bus glasses. The structuring of the chapters bothers me. The structuring what? of the chapters? Yeah. Like, I think what I mean there is the uh, transition from chapter to chapter. For whatever reason, that's really been on my mind with this book. Hmm. Okay. It's reminiscent of a soap opera that builds an emotional tension or fakes an emotional tension up to a commercial break. And the other note I had was that it's called, an, it's called Invitations and it begins with a rejection. <laughs> and she's dreaming of Edward and... Yes. He walked away from me, leaving me in the blackness. No matter how fast I ran, I couldn't catch up to him. No matter how loud I called, I couldn't, I, he never turned. So he's walking away from her, rejecting her. Mm -hmm. Last time we ended by reading this first sentence yeah. and um, <laughs> radiating from Edward's skin. And I was thinking, why is that so gross? <laughs> and, and I think it would be sexier to say radiating 
this light radiating from Edward's body. I feel like she made an intentional choice to use skin there, Mm -hmm. but I still don't like it. It's just, it feels like amphibian. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought it was interesting that Edward is surrounded by light in the darkness Mm -hmm. while his personality paints him as the obvious bad guy who would normally be a dark. Yeah, yeah, very good. Was that intentional? No. Probably not. The answer is always no. (laughs) This is a completely accidental book. The other note that I had about this that I did like, so I will say something positive, at least once. Okay. Which is it, so there's this image in this dream that happens where Edward is turning away from Bella, walking away from her, seemingly whatever, just walking away. That's exactly how the chapter ends as well. So it ends and begins with this same sort of image because after he does that deal that we mentioned earlier, tired of trying to stay away from you, Bella, you really should stay away from me, he warned. He turned abruptly and walked back to class the way we'd come. Like, I want to like this book, you know? How much we... Like, because my first experience with Twilight is when we went and saw that one Breaking Dawn Part 1. Yes. Remember that? I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, why do these people look like this? Why does nobody mention the fact that these people look like this? Why is the pace so ungodly slow? What's going on with this movie? Full of beautiful people. Yeah, and like cotton candy that tastes really good. Mm. So I want the book to be that too, and it's not. Yes, Twilight is absolutely a movie that I could put on like any day, any time, and it's going to make me feel good. It's inexplicable. It's one of those movies inexplicable. that just had all the right stuff in the right place, captured lightning in a bottle. Going back to Stephanie Meyer's writing, if she couldn't make this the best, don't you think that Little Brown has a staff of editors who could have just touched this up a bit? I wondered how heavily has this been edited. It would be interesting to see the original manuscript because, you know, if something's really a disaster, it's it maybe gets to a point where it's so marked up that they're like, we're just going to go with it. Right, right, right. We can't spend so much time. We already spent $750,000 on this shit rag. So it starts off there. It starts off with this dream image. Supposed to, I, I guess, probably supposed to sort of grab you and sort of lock you in. It's proof that she's becoming obsessed with Edward. And then we immediately jump into the month after the accident, which is the first three or four pages of this chapter. Like a compressed way, she's telling us, okay, the month after the accident was like this. And then we get a few pictures of what that month was like. And then Jessica made me aware of another event looming on the horizon. She called the first Tuesday in March to ask my permission to invite me to the girls' choice dance. We called that a Sadie Hawkins dance when I was in school. Did you call them that? Sadie Hawkins, they changed it to Mort, which is prom backwards. But I don't know if we even did it at my school. I mean, it was just a concept I heard maybe on Saved by the Bell or something. Yeah. No, but I'm familiar with the, the term or the name Sadie Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. I need to take us back to page 69, Tom. Do it. All of these guys seem to be just hanging on her. And the top of page 69, Tyler Crowley was impossible, following me around, obsessed with making amends to me. I underlined that because I thought I don't like when people use impossible to call somebody. But then she's talking about Edward impossibly saving my life. And I just wish that she wouldn't use the same words. She has a pretty limited vocabulary. (laughs) Did you notice that she uses suddenly 
impossibly saving my life. Two oh, yeah. in a row. On this page, Mike and Eric were even less friendly toward him, him being Edward. Or wait, is that Edward? No, I think it's no, Tyler, it's, Tom. Tyler, you're correct, yes. Okay, Mike and Eric were even less friendly toward him than they were to each other, which made me worry that I gained another unwelcome fan. I'm just real confused. Why do these guys sit at the same table and be friends, but they don't like each other just because of Bella? Is that yeah. what I'm understanding? Yeah, male rivalry kind of stuff. Beta fish. Orbiters. Uh, that's a word I've learned that is used all over the internet. Orbiters? Yeah, guys who kind of just orbit this girl instead of making the move. I've never heard that one before. As opposed to the alpha. Oh, huh. It's used by people who profess to be alphas. I've determined I'm the alpha. Okay. <laughs> In any circle. <laughs> I thought the problem there was the word unwelcome uh, because I thought yes. that was very confusing. I thought maybe she'd said another unlooked for fan or something. Made more sense. Is it unwelcome to her or to them? I think it was just a poor word choice. It's one of those many places in this book where you're reading it along and you have to stop. You find yourself puzzling through the very basic stuff because you can't figure out what what's what did I just read? It's unnecessarily complicated. And this is like a poolside read. <laughs> right. But she's a professional writer and I'm not, so I can't say she's amateurish. Okay, um, Ellen Gilchrist, fine. Remember Ellen said that, don't you call yourself a writer if you're not published like me in all these magazines? Yeah, I don't remember that, but it sounds like something she would say. She said a lot of really great things, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't agree with that one. <laughs> yeah, she said, kill your darlings, which was a good one. Wasn't that J uh, James Joyce? No, I'm, she was probably quoting somebody, but it made me think of what you were talking about earlier with the fancy words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you write something and you think, man, that's, that's a good turn of phrase. They're going to be quoting that one. That's yeah. probably something you want to cut out. I have a note in the second paragraph where it starts, no one seemed concerned about Edward, though I explained over and over that he was the hero. It's like, it's a bit much. And then it, um, she goes on to say, I tried to be convincing. And this is where I made my comment. This is another place where knowing her thoughts would help me. What is she trying to be convincing? Yeah, let us, let us hear one of those conversations. Even if she told us a reason, like, is she saying that because she wants Edward to look good? We still don't know her motives because she hasn't really declared to us, like, I have a crush on this guy. It's more like I am fascinated by the mystery of him, but we don't know for sure. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We don't know anything about what's going on with these people dynamically. Why doesn't she just give us a conversation with these people? They're all sitting at the lunch table. <sighs> Staring at the Cullens. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in the previous paragraph when she's talking about Tyler Crowley coming up to her and, you know, trying to make amends. And I, the more I tried to convince him, the more he, you know, stuck around. I thought, why didn't she give us that? Why didn't she show that one? The scene could be a good opportunity for humor, character humor. Why does she not show us anything? Hey, I'm going to guess that Stephanie Meyer sucks at dialogue, um, <laughs> as is evident in all the dialogue in this book she has way too many descriptors by her tags but that is a really good way to like show character is to have dialogue because if you know how they talk you get a really good image of the person but i don't think she can distinguish one person from another in the way she writes dialogue one of the things we should do is to write out all the just the dialogue between edward and bella just read the dialogue and see what it sounds like <laughs> 
Because it, it would only be like two pages. <laughs> <laughs> That's what romance is built on, Tom. Haven't you heard Alison Krauss's hit single played at every wedding in the 90s? You say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> the other thing I thought, maybe she didn't know how to, how to do uh, these kinds of scenes, like how to write these kinds of scenes in first person, you know, because if you're oh. writing in third person, it's no problem. Right. Which leads to my big overall question with one of my big overall questions with this chapter is why is it written in first person? You Does know make, what? Until you said that right now, I didn't even realize it was written in first person. I is thought it was just <laughs> shitty. <laughs> Are all four goddamn books written in first person? You know, some of the things that happen with first person is that you have to have other people report scenes that the that the narrator isn't in. Right. Like that, that remake that the Coen brothers did of True Grit. I don't know if you saw that or not. It was a long time ago. I remember you liked it though. Yeah. You wrote, you wrote me a letter what, about it. That's, that's, I bet it was a good one. Letter. And uh, one of the things I liked about it was at the end of the movie, I realized it was filmed in first person because there were no scenes that were depicted that the, that the protagonist, the little girl, wasn't either a part of or privy to. Like she could hear things. Only The only things you saw were things that she was witness to in the whole movie. And huh. I didn't realize that until the very end where there's one little scene where she's laying next to, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, that actor who played the Born Identity guy. G uh, Matt Damon? Yeah, Matt Damon's in it. And uh, so she's laying next to him and he's, he's like being a sniper. He says something, but she's on the other side of him and she can't hear it. And so the, the filmmakers made that real low and muffled and you as an audience member couldn't quite understand it. And you realize, oh, that's because she couldn't hear it. That's why we can't hear it. And then you look back at the whole movie and you realize, oh, the whole thing is filmed from her perspective. And I thought it was a beautiful little thing that you that they put in there so you would get that. As opposed to huh. Stephanie Meyer, which is <laughs> where... You know, I don't know. I, I don't know why this is written in first person. What, what does that bring to the telling of the story? Does it make it more interesting? That I, I find it makes it more more tedious, given the writing style. Kind of simplistic and a little a little un, unsophisticated in terms of vocabulary. This girl who says she's already read Bronte and all this stuff. And then I was thinking, is Bella uh, an unreliable narrator? Sometimes I think people do that intentionally because it adds like mystery to the story. Like, you know, you'll be halfway through the book when you realize this person, they're not all there. But in this story, I would say that Bella is unintentionally um, unaware of her own thoughts because she doesn't know herself. Stephanie Meyer hasn't done a thorough character sketch and I feel like she's just piecing it together as she goes. She's learning the tune as she's playing it. She's making it up as she goes. I think you're That's right. what she's doing. She's writing Twilight as if it's whose line is it anyway. Anything I else before we get to class and sit next to Edward? Oh yeah. Okay. The top of the page. His fists would suddenly ball up, skin stretched even wider over the bones. Um, so she's like watching every little detail of him. And then she follows that by saying, he wished he hadn't pulled me from the path of Tyler's van. There was no other conclusion I could come to. <laughs> He's tense. It must be because he wants to kill me. <laughs> I said pleasantly, hello, Edward. I said pleasantly to show him I was going to behave myself. What does that mean? Where's she coming from with that? I have no idea. On these two pages, I circled flawlessly, perceptibly, dangerously, glaringly. 
I have glaringly. Yeah, so they're sitting in biology class. That's where a lot of the stuff happens so far with their relationship is when they're sitting next to each other in, in biology class. Do you think that's significant at all? I think Stephanie Myers probably remembers sitting in biology class. And so that's, those are memories that she has <laughs> in her tongue. Why is she, why can she not understand that boys are attracted to her? This inexplicable popularity of mine. Have boys never flirted with her before? Are there people that boys have never flirted with before? Tom, why are you digging my deep secrets? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have like, I'm having a lot of thoughts. Okay. First thought is my personal experience as being fat at 14, skinny at 15, and yeah. I felt so exposed. Okay. Because being fat until 14, you know, you go to the mall, you go out with your friends, hang out with boys, no one pays attention to you. Okay. And then all of a sudden I was skinny and I just felt like eyes prying into my soul. It was really uncomfortable. <laughs> Extremely uncomfortable, unwelcome, unwanted, right. Okay, okay. So sometimes when Bella's talking about, maybe this is just because I'm the new kid in school. Okay, that's good. That helps me. I mean, there is the reality of that. And also, I mean, girls a lot, well, everyone, boys and girls, they kind of go through this thing where you're like 12 and 13 and you're so odd. It's like the ugliest years of your life. Mm -hmm. And then you come out of it kind of a decent looking person. Okay. So I'm just being a little dense about it just because. Well, you're a good looking person, so you probably don't know what it's like. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Then we have some awkward tension between the friend group because Mike doesn't want to go with Jessica. He wants to go with Bella. Jessica maybe feels embarrassed about telling Bella she was rejected. Oh, right. Because Jessica has asked Bella if it's okay with her, Bella, if Jessica asks Mike to the Sadie Hawkins day. That's right. That's okay. right. And Bella's like, oh, by all means. Please take him. In this chapter, I began crossing out things that I thought were unnecessary. Okay. Words, sentence phrases and things like that. Yeah. Right, right at the end of that, I was electrically aware of Edward sitting close enough to touch as distant as an invention of my imagination, instead of as distant as if he were merely an invention of my imagination. What? Also, isn't it a figment of my imagination? Oh, yeah, it is that. But that's not distant. That's right in your head. Um, she wants us to know that physically they're close, but emotionally they're very distant. But right, this gets lost in the clumsy words. So, Mike said, looking at the floor, Jessica asked me to spring dance. That's great. I made my voice bright and enthusiastic. You'll have a lot of fun with Jessica. This is the um, only one of the times in this chapter that, as you alluded to earlier, she is acting. Yeah, yes, acting. Uh, why would you do that? <laughs> okay, t Tom's like, oh, I, I told her I had to think about it, waiting for me to ask you to morph. And then I say, why would you do that? <laughs> His face was bright red as he looked down again. Pity shook my resolve. The next line is a perfect example of why she's not good at dialogue. Okay. I was wondering if, well, if you might be planning to ask me. Yeah, it doesn't seem natural, does it? Not natural. And also there's no characterization. Whenever people are speaking, there's right. nothing that says this is something Bella would say. Right. I mean, if it has 
If it has misery connotations, we can assume it's Bella. <laughs> yes. If, if somewhere the phrase, how pathetic, shows up, it's <laughs> <from> Bella. <laughs> or, or anything having to do with balance. That's right. Falling and hurting people. So at the top of the next page, right at the end of this little exchange with Mike. Yes. We're in the middle of it, I guess. She says, why not, Mike demanded. This is where I started thinking, maybe this wasn't a demand, right? Maybe he didn't demand this. Maybe this is how Bella perceived, you know, his sort of continued dogged kind of not going to give up quite yet. But she sees this as a demand. So maybe, maybe we can't take everything at face value in the Tom, narration of this novel. Sexual harassment is in the eye of the beholder. Well, okay, so you're making a good point. But then he says, can't you go some other weekend when she says she's going to Seattle? And I can't imagine anyone in real life saying that. It seems pretty audacious. It, like somebody who you're finally working up the nerve to, unless it's, unless it's totally whiny, you know? Okay. Go some other weekend, but that, you know, but yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think Stephanie doesn't know how to write this kind of thing. She's cro he's crossing boundaries. Yes. I think you're right. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say that. So he says this very rude thing. And then Bella says, you shouldn't make Jess wait any longer. It's rude. Mike is dejected. Right. Edward is staring at her curiously. They're still at their biology table, right? Yes. Mike is sitting on the edge of the table. And I bet he's got his legs wide open. <laughs> then there's some eye action. Edward is staring. Bella yeah. stares back. Mm -hmm. She him to look away. But... He continued to gaze with probing intensity into my eyes. Mm. I feel that was sexual. You think? Probing intensity. My hands started to shake. Yay! <laughs> then I think, I think she's given us a, I think Bella's acting real girlish here. This is when I was thinking maybe she's 14 and not 16. What, what, what makes you say that? I looked down at my book as soon as his eyes released me, trying to find my place. Cowardly as ever, I shifted my hair over my right shoulder to hide my face. I couldn't believe the rush of emotion pulsing through me just because he'd happened to look at me for, for the first time. I don't know. That seems real girlish compared to how she has been through the whole previous 72 pages of this book. Yeah, the previous 72 pages, she seems like a 17-year-old who smokes in the alley. And right. now she's like, I forgot my deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't allow him to have this level of influence over me. It was pathetic. More than pathetic, it was unhealthy. Yeah, I mean, it's an obsession, right? She's dreaming about him every day. She can't control her thoughts around him. Has to be around him, but she doesn't like being around him. The man takes the drink, the drink takes the drink, and the drink takes the man. She's kind of scared of how strong it is, but still she enjoys it. Yeah, so these two, I thought these, because there's two conversations that she has with Edward here in the biology room. They, they're difficult. They don't really seem to have a flow to them or a center to them. I can't figure out, you know, what's going on. Tom, if you hadn't talked to me for six weeks, you wouldn't have to tell me it's better if we're not friends. I would have assumed we're not friends. <laughs> That's right. When you come and sit down at the table next to me, and this is all I do. <laughs> six weeks of school every day, not saying anything. Painful. His voice shouldn't have been so familiar to me. As if I'd known the sound of it all my life, rather than just a few short weeks. Ay, ay, ay. What, are you speaking to me again? No, not really, he admitted. He's starting to get giggly. No, not really. 
<laughs> she says, are you talking to me again? He says, no, <laughs> this is not a friend. And what's her response to that? I have to close my eyes because he's too gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I cannot stand when people close their eyes and talk. I turn my head sharply. She's talking to him with her eyes closed. Is she facing him with her eyes closed? I don't know. <laughs> she's just looking at him and then just... <laughs> why doesn't he say, Bella, why are your eyes closed? Close my eyes, breathe slowly through my nose and grit my teeth. <laughs> what is it, Edward? <laughs> Is a class going on at this point too? I think so because Mike already asked her for the date. Yeah, right. So they're having this weird conversation in the middle of class. Uh, but but Edward has been in this class a thousand times. Spoiler. He already knows all the answers. Well, Bella's been in this class too. She told us she already took this. Phoenix is more advanced than Washington, which I also find a logical error. <laughs> so... He says it's better if we're not friends. That's what he's broken his silence about, just to tell her. Where is, where, where, where? Okay, bottom, bottom of the page. Yes. And then at the top of the next page, my eyes narrowed. I thought they were closed. Okay, Tom, I have so many notes about these lines. First of all, it seems like the normal thing to say is, I think it's better that we're just friends. Hmm. You don't say, I think it's better if we're not friends, if we haven't been speaking for six weeks. But if there's sexual tension, you could say, I think it's better if we're just friends. Mm. So I'm just saying that uh, my opinion. Then she says, so back to what he actually said, it's better if we're not friends. Trust me. She says, I've heard that before. <gasps> Who said to her before, it's better if we're not friends? <coughs> I think it's the trust me that she's talking about. Like, wasn't that what he said when on the okay, night of the, on the okay, day of the, okay, the band? Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. No, thank you. Because uh, I thought that just didn't make any sense. And now you've cleared it all up for me. It was like the time when she had her head knocked on the pavement and she says, I've had worse. <laughs> Better that we're not friends. I've heard that before. <laughs> it's too bad you didn't figure out earlier. I hissed through my teeth. <laughs> Regret for what? For not just letting that stupid van squish me. He was astonished. I felt that, I didn't think that was the right word. <laughs> I would think maybe he was taken aback. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Confused. Flabbergasted. Flabbergasted. Beside um, himself. Or he could. she could have just said he stared at me in disbelief. That'd be better. And cut the first sentence. Yeah. When he finally spoke, he almost sounded mad. As per usual, you think I regret saving your life? I know you do, I snapped. I wrote, she's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the problems I had with this, is her anger. So she turns her head sharply away from him, clenching her jaw against all the wild accusations I wanted to hurl at him. But can I remind you, Tom, that to everyone else in the school, she's been talking him up. What a hero he is. Yeah. But then to his face, she's like, you're garbage. Or rather, you think I'm garbage. <laughs> That's right. So she drops her books, caught her toe on the boot of the door jam, dropped her books. I sighed and bent to pick them up. He was there. He'd already stacked them into a pile. Did nobody else see this? 
No wonder he's so upset with her. She's so clumsy and he's got to race around at lightning speed all the time, picking up after her. <laughs> Imagine if we were married. Oh my God. God. Thank you, I said icily. His eyes narrowed. I underlined icily because last time you pointed out frigidly and you said it should have been icily. So now we know that Stephanie Meyer knows this word. We also know she doesn't have any problem using words more than once. So why didn't she use it correctly the first time? Yeah, I put hooray next to that. <laughs> Jim was brutal, obviously. And Jim is the last class of the day. I checked her class schedule. Okay. She fell down a lot and took people with her. Unintentional comedy, I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's trying to portray her as just this, oh my God, why am I so bad at everything? But it comes across, I pictured it in my head. She's just falling down every time she walks into a room and knocking people down. <laughs> On this page 76, she almost has a stroke. I almost had a stroke when I rounded the corner and saw a tall, dark figure leaning against the side of my truck. Then I realized it was Eric. So she thought it was Edward. All right. So he asked her, she says, I thought it was girl's choice. I said, too startled to be diplomatic. A little too abruptly. Yeah. That would be better. Yes. But don't worry. She recovered her composure and tried to make her smile warm. And um, that's another, another instance of not, that not coming natural to her. That's right. An actual human smile. Thank you. She probably had to close her eyes too. Thank you for asking me, but I'm going to Seattle that day. <laughs> oh, well, maybe next time, he says. Now that, now I got a question for you here, Tom. Sure, yeah. I agreed, and then bit my lip. I wouldn't want him to take that too literally. So I asked, does biting your lip signal I'm not being literal? <laughs> Is this a new unspoken cue that I can use? <laughs> 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 let's go out for coffee sometime <laughs> she bit her lip just when i thought she was being serious just a tip <laughs> well of course i think actually she's referring to the sure that she was afraid that he would have taken seriously <laughs> <laughs> okay Okay, this is why it's helpful to read in groups. <laughs> but Tom, again, here comes my favorite. Um, I heard a low chuckle. <laughs> Edward was walking past the front of the truck, looking straight forward, his lips pressed together. Then she revs the engine. Edward is in his car already, two spaces down, sliding out in front of me, cutting me off. She can't shake this guy. Right. <laughs> Who knew that the telltale sign of a vampire was somebody chuckling at you all the time? It's not some sense of dread that creeps through your bones. It's, it's the sound of somebody going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this sets us up for the third approach, unsolicited. Yeah. Young so time now she is literally cock-blocked by Edward and from Tyler at the back. And he takes this opportunity, Tyler, to approach her from the passenger side to ask her to this dance. That's, yeah. that's when I said, I've had it. These boys don't understand. The girls ask boys. Yeah, that's three in a row. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Every single one of them. Are other girls going through this problem as well? 
guess or is it it's just, not. Or is it just Bella? Just everybody, the, the rules are out the window with Bella. This is why I think that she has like such codependent tendencies because I think they can smell it on her. <laughs> they can smell that she's not going to, she doesn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. She's conflict avoidant. Right. Yeah. I mean, she clearly won't tell Mike to buzz off when she doesn't like his attention. He's walking her to class every day, sitting yeah. on the edge of her desk. And finally, she's just like, Tyler, I'm not going to be in town. Okay. So now she finds out that Tyler actually talked to Mike and Tyler knows that Mike said Bella's going out of town, but he still asked her. Sorry, Tyler. I said, working to hide my irritation. I really am going out of town. <clears throat> so that's the end of the, that day of at school. Tom. Edward's eyes were on me. He was unquestionably shaking with laughter. <laughs> so she gets through the horrible day of all these boys being nice to her and asking her to the dance that she's supposed to ask a boy to. And then she gets home and she's home with Charlie now. And when she gets home, she decided to make chicken enchiladas for dinner. It was a long process and would keep me busy. I thought, how psychotic is this woman that she has to have reasons for what she makes for dinner other than that hey i kind of feel like having this i think if you're suicidal this is your line of thinking <laughs> yeah. and then and then she takes this phone call from jessica and jessica's all happy mike had asked her as bella suggested and uh, she accepted and then she says i celebrated with her briefly while i stirred so there's like a moment of actual uh, human uh, empathy right she had That's a genuine, nice. yeah yeah it's kind of pleasant for a change yeah. And then she suggested with casual innocence. So there's, there's Stephanie Meyer again, stepping in and making us think that Bella's a sociopath. But, but she suggests, well, maybe this girl would like to go out with Mike and maybe this girl should ask Eric because I think they're free. So she does have this social facility. You know, she does understand how people operate and what, my, what these boys clearly want to go out with somebody. These girls clearly want to, you know, go to the dance. I'll bet it'd be really nice if they all went together. So she seems to have human sympathy and, and understanding and care but, about her friends and stuff like that. Unless this is all a big elaborate defensive maneuver that she's trying to get everybody involved with somebody else. So nobody would be with her. But it's also super like she knows what's normal and she wants to participate without actually participating. Okay. Like she's right. helping her friends be successful, knowing she can't be a part of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> she seems to be such a sad sack myth misanthrope. Is that right? <laughs> and yet she's surprisingly socially insightful. So <laughs> it seems strange. This Bella character, I guess we're stuck with that first question that we asked about her. Does she have a character that's discernible? She seems really consistent. Well, maybe that is the nature of teenagers. Maybe. It can be really mature at times and other times. I mean, it reminds me of the Britney Spears hit. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. <laughs> okay, fair enough. The other note I had was that this is the point at which I realized Stephanie seems to only be able to write two person scenes. Oh. We had the doctor and Edward in the emergency room. But the, but when one person would start talking, it's like the other one would fade into the background. And, and <laughs> Maybe she hadn't thought about it, but her dialogue tagging would be out of control. <laughs> yes, the, she says she was. She says I wasn't interesting, and he was interesting and brilliant and mysterious and perfect and beautiful and strike possibly and able to lift full size vans with one hand. Do you think when she was writing this, she just wrote these portions in one go and never really changed them? 
Yes. I think that it's a picture into Stephanie Meyer's marriage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So she decides she's going to leave him alone and hope to get a scholarship to the Southwest or possibly Hawaii. She's feeling rejected. So she's just going to move my self-imposed sentence here in purgatory. Again, with the self-imposed exile. You quit talking about the fact that you chose to come here. <laughs> Is she a sympathetic character? What do you mean by that? Like, do you become invested in her emotionally? Do you want her to do well and succeed? Are you sad when she's sad? Is she carrying the story well? No. I don't think so either. I don't think there's anything to relate to really at this point. She's not well developed enough for me to be attached to her at all. Right. I don't know. We know little wisps of her backstory. We don't know where she's coming from in any of this stuff. She just seems to be banging around like crazy from emotion to emotion, all of which are negative. She hasn't had a good day yet. Well, also, you know, like she never says, um, like, I miss my friends from home. Right. Yeah, that's right. She is... She's just like a float. She's just like floating through life. She's not attached to anything, anybody. Right. And everything like, crosses her path is like, oh God, I got to deal with this now. Her, okay. Yeah. Her only, her only um, times of seeming contentedness is when she's cooking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. She does like cooking. But it's almost like she's identified cooking as a way to take her mind off things. So it's more like a coping mechanism than a hobby. <laughs> right. It's a distraction. Exactly. I cook to distract myself from the questions in my mind about Edward. I keep waiting for, for a sense of this novel to clarify itself in my head. You know, how like I'm reading a couple other books right now and like I just picked up another novel that I'm reading. It's pretty old. It was written like in the beginning of the 20th century. So it's written in a different style. But by the second chapter, I have an idea of, of the, the tone of this book, the way it's going to, you know, I can go along with it. I'm, yeah. I'm not, you know, you get into it. You understand, okay, this is how this author is telling this story. Yes. I don't have that yet with this book. Well, I feel like with this book, I feel like I love the narrator and I feel like she can be a friend. Yeah. And like books that I like when I get to the end, I always feel like, oh, I'm, I'm so sad it's coming to an end because I would like to spend more time with this person. Right. Here, it's like Circle K cashier. That's how much I know about her. Yeah, you're right. You wouldn't want to be friends with this person. And when I'm reading this other novel, I'm, I'm not going, what? <laughs> because I already know that she's so dishonest. Yeah. Dishonest. She acts different according to the way she feels people want her to act. She, yeah, she's not a good friend. And you don't know, and we're almost a hundred pages in. Oh my God. And you, and you don't know why Edward is so in, intensely interested in her. So That's you don't right. know anything about his character either. That's right. We're way too far along to still be in this much mystery. We don't know anything that's happening right now, except that she goes to school and we know what her fucking class schedule is. And there's a dance and she has a truck. We have only two-ish pages left. Okay, so she cooks dinner and then Charlie comes and starts talking to her. And uh, she mentions the Seattle trip because she's trying to manipulate him. And she says, uh, you know, I'm going to go get a few books. Do you want me to come with you at the bottom of the page? I tried to be crafty as I hid my horror. And then, Tom, she yeah. fucking lies again. 
I'll be in dressing rooms all day. At the bookstore? Grr. I hated that. So only in a town this small would a father know when the high school dances were. I thought immediately before that, she lies about the dressing rooms and he says, okay. And she says, the thought of sitting in women's clothing stores for any period of time immediately put him off. I wrote down, this is what she thinks happened in his head. Maybe he actually senses her discomfort and is an understanding parent. <laughs> she's gonna say no i don't dance dad he of all people should understand i didn't get my balance problems from my mother so then i made a note which of course i didn't follow through with look up genetic balance disorder <laughs> oh i tripped and dropped it where's edward <laughs> well you're in luck because as i bent to get it a white hand flashed out and grabbed before i could Right, so this is the next day. The last day of the chapter is what I wrote down. Okay. So that is that is becoming a trope now with old Stephanie Myers. Bella Love dropped it. something and all of a sudden Edwards is there to pick it up. That's right. It happened earlier in the chapter with the books and it happened right now with the key. So does that mean something? Or is it just her imagination not realizing that she'd already done this? He's always there for her. Always picking up things for her. Okay, so this is the morning she's she's purposely parking far yep. away from him. And so again, he all three times she points out like that they're really far apart and then he gets there really soon. Right, good, yeah, right. And then she says, how do you do that? Do what? He held my key out. <laughs> Bella, it is not my fault if you are exceptionally unobservant. And this is another example of denying um, weird <laughs> behavior and then blaming the accuser. That's right. That's right. That's so good. What was the first one that she did that he did that with? It was with the van thing, the, right? You, you really think I lift a van off your back? <laughs> you said I lift a van? Are you nuts? What's wrong with you? Ugh. Is it my fault if you can't observe anything right? But it works. Because she's so discombobulated, mm. um, his eyes were light again today, a deep golden honey color. Then I had to look down to reassemble my now tangled thoughts. Okay, then she asked him about the traffic jam. And um, he says, that was for Tyler's sake, not mine. I had to give him his chance. But how does Edward know that holding up traffic will prompt Tyler, who isn't even <laughs> friend, to ask her for a date? Yeah, right. That's a pretty big uh, coincidence. Yeah, big leap, big yeah. assumption. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna stop her car, and Tyler will get out and ask her for the dance. Bella, you are utterly absurd. I think I put this is the most real, true thing in 82 pages. <laughs> and then he says you're doing it again and we have to ask what doing what responding normally to someone who's jerking her around is he a crazy maker yes he is okay. he's a pot stirrer well i'm just saying now he's being so polite yeah will you please allow me to finish now she's biting her lip so she's being not literal good one um, I clasped my hands, interlocking my fingers, so I couldn't do anything rash. I wrote, as if. Yeah, I, did, I wrote, I don't buy her anger. Yeah. 
Um, I heard you were saying you were going to Seattle that day. I was wondering if you want to ride. That was unexpected. That was unexpected. Yeah. Because he just told her how they shouldn't be friends. Right. Who do you, um, do you want to ride to Seattle? With who? Myself, obviously. I thought if I, if I asked you, hey, and we're, we're in the same room, we're talking and you say, hey, I'm going to go down to the, you know, go grab a hamburger. I'll say, oh, do you want to ride? Would you say, with who? <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless I didn't know where the voice came from. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was terrible. So she, so this is something yeah. you've identified, is that Stephanie Meyer doesn't know how to ask and answer questions. The dialogue doesn't match up. No, it doesn't. It's like a facsimile of human dialogue. And he's so nosy. Well, yeah. to be honest, I'm not sure if your truck can make it. Mm. She tells him it works just fine. He interrogates her about the gas mileage. She says, I don't see how this is any of your business, finally. And then he comes out with this political statement. <laughs> the wasting of finite resources is everyone's business. Is she serious? Is Stephanie Meyer serious? I mean, it seems like such an intrusion into this narrative, this overt political statement. It is. It right? is. It yanks you instantly out and you think. And it's so out of character for Edward. Completely. Is a Volvo really? I mean, I don't think they get incredibly good mileage. The wasting of finite resources is everyone's business. Holy crap. That's like when you're talking with somebody and you crumple up something that you're writing, you throw it away and they say, hey, you're killing trees. <laughs> hey, reduce, reuse, recycle. <laughs> That's right. I like what um, Bella says on the top of 84. Honestly, Edward, I can't keep up with you. Yeah. I thought you didn't want to be my friend. Yeah. So she's great. finally saying what we're all thinking. Yep. Like, where are you? Where do you stand? Oh, this leads us to what you were talking about earlier. I said it would be better if we weren't friends. Not that I didn't want to be. And then she says, oh, thanks. Now that's all cleared up, which I agree. It's weird. And we know that it's sarcasm. You don't have to tell us that it's sarcasm. Right. There's a big fucking italics right there. I think we can say at the end of this chapter, Edward is waving the white flag. Hmm. I'm tired of trying to stay away from you. And his eyes were gloriously intense. As he uttered the last sentence, his voice smoldering. I couldn't remember how to breathe. <laughs> As if she wasn't. I mean, I like how this is ending because I feel like it's ramping up the romanticism. <laughs> Will you go to Seattle with me? Will you go with me to Seattle? Mm. Finally, he says something to her actually nice, 100% nice. And understandable. Not like, well, your truck's a piece of shit, so I'll give you a ride. He's finally like, I want to go with you. Yeah. And he's not, not balling up his fists and staring rigidly ahead. So my last note is, oh my God, I'm so fucking confused <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts about invitations tom do i have final thoughts about it <laughs> we're going into our third hour here <laughs> i cheated and looked at the first sentence of the next chapter god damn it blood type i made my way to english in a daze so i sort of hate 
the fact that this chapter ends, but it doesn't need to have ended because the next chapter picks up exactly where it left off. <gasps> Do you think she just wrote one huge book and then just like every 20 or so pages, she's like, stopping point. Call <laughs> a chapter. No, I don't have any final thoughts about this. You know, are we further along at all? Um, I feel like there's a softening of the relationship between Bella and Edward. Yeah, 84 fucking pages. As far as any of the other characters, same old, same old. So this is just all clearly building to Edward and Bella. Building. What happened to the whole mystery? That just kind of disappeared. You lifted a van off of me. Can we talk about that for a second? I would feel like that's something we definitely need to iron out before I get in your car for a trip to another city. I'm not going to go from this morning, I was positive you wished I was dead. Yeah. Now I'm taking a road trip with you. Because you said, what is it that makes her say that? What is it that makes her get into the car with you? She's just fucking stunned by his beauty. It'd be prudent for you not to be my friend. Uh-huh. But I'm, trying to, but I'm tired of trying to stay away from you. So I'm dangerous, but I can't stop. But I'm going to get with you. And that's when she nods. I, it's making me feel pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's true to life. That makes sense then. And he's rich and handsome. Okay, I'm about to barf all over myself because I'm going to say something that I have heard on TV from other women. I feel that Edward makes her feel seen. <laughs> because she is a miserable character. And I think that these other three guys that asked her out, they are attracted to her exterior, but they don't understand how messed up she is. And I think Edward, she sees that there's something dark about him. And maybe it's attractive that he sees that in them to he sees that in her also. Yeah, they share this. We're both moving among the normal people. Yeah. And they keep responding to us as if we're like them, but we know we're not. Superior mutants. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. She knows that the Cullens are not the same as everybody else. Yeah. She clearly doesn't feel like she's like everybody else. Right. And so when this one superior mutant comes over, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense to me now. It's also... She, I mean, as soon as she got to that school, she kind of let us know, like, I've already taken these classes. I've already read the books they've read. Yeah. I'm beyond these kids. Right. They're all, pup the guys are all puppy dogs. Yeah. The girl she hasn't really talked about. Well, she's feigning knowing how to do friendships with girls. Okay, right. During one of our conversations, you said that Stephanie Meyer like had a dream yeah. and it started at some point and then she wrote backwards. Where did it start? Where they were lying in the meadow of flowers together. And then she then she backfilled everything else up to that point. Like wow. retro retrofitted the whole story around that point. She backfilled a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a bunch. <laughs> I didn't watch that whole interview. That's that one I sent you the link to. I think maybe she had this whole deal in her head, you know, like this whole prod, the whole saga. Okay. Like with another Star Wars story. Like when the first Star Wars movie came out, it was just this great standalone movie. This was 1977. It blew us all away. We were just all, couldn't believe how great this movie was. Never seen anything like it before. Yeah. And then the next one came out and we were like, oh, this is great too. 
And the third one came out and we were, seems to be getting a little bit forced. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> and then George Lucas comes out and says, well, actually, that first one was number four. And I have this whole nine movie trill series in mind, this whole saga. And we thought, I don't buy it because that first movie was this, just this great little movie all on its own. So yeah. then you, you know, so then they do the first three and then they do the next three, the subsequent three. So now there's nine movies in this whole thing. The whole big point was, did George Lucas really have this huge, big saga in it when he made the first movie? Or did he make this first movie and just sort of had little inklings about stuff? And yeah. I, I wonder if Stephanie Meyer had the whole up through Breaking Dawn in her mind when she was writing this, backfilling this and doing all that stuff. Maybe she, as she was writing this, she was getting little um, other imagery that wasn't a fully fleshed out story. Right. And then once it was down, she was like, oh yeah, I'm going to revisit those ideas and claim that I had them before. Because did she think of the whole volturi thing had she already been thinking about the whole werewolf thing like, i mean was, that's a lot what was the development of this thing like yeah i want to go back and read that or watch that whole interview chapter our next chapter is called blood type yes that's right all right and that seems like a strong uh departure from the previous chapter titles yes i believe so and we're gonna we're gonna breach the 100 page mark in this chapter now this next chapter is quite long 25 pages. It's our longest chapter yet. Oh, I just accidentally looked at the final word. I did too! <laughs> I mean, is she just copy and pasting and making new chapters? It's It seems to be uh, the theme, though, right, of Edward leaving. Yeah, I love talking about the book with you. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say to anybody else about the book other than it's the, one of the worst things I've ever read. <laughs> We have a shared love of the movie, okay. which makes it very interesting. And also because of our writing classes, um, I think it's fun to talk this way. That's good, right. It's conversation yeah. that I miss, like language humor and stuff. It's not really a thing in the normal world. Yeah, it's not a big thing at the sewage plant. Okay, Tom, any last words? Sewage plant. You need to put in your calendar two hours, me time. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week just because the title of the chapter sounds a little bit more exciting than the ones we've had so far. I wish they'd called it bloodbath. Bloodbath! <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I hope you have a great night, Tom, and I'll see you next week. Okay, see you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, I All like right. the Tom and Nikki, oh, but yeah. it looks like dick and balls. How does that look like a dick and balls? The nose and eyes? Show it to me again. No. Looks like the golden arches in a big schlong. <laughs>